You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. Spencer's still on maternity leave. We miss her. If you've heard her on a previous episode, sorry. It's, you know, pre-recording is weird. But anyways, today we are joined by our new friend, Mike Perry, a recently uh, inducted exvangelical. How are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm well, and how are you? Uh, chilling. I have my heating pad on my shoulders. The viewers or the listeners can't see. Um, covered in biofreeze and shit. I throw out my back. So here we are, oh. living the life. It's a normal occurrence. It really is. Every day, <laughs> <laughs> the fibromyalgia life, right? But all things considered, I got my dog back here. I got a sunny day. It's all good. <laughs> That sounds fun. Yeah. Well, you we just a, sorry. Oh, we we just had a, a little spat down here of ice, and as we learned last year, Texas doesn't know what to do with ice. <laughs> so, so you're in Texas. It, yeah, I am. God bless you. Oh, sometimes it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> I could not live in Texas. I'm going to be honest. I want to get out. <laughs> I get you. But Texas is also very affordable, which makes it very difficult to move anywhere else. That is very true. Yeah, I often tell people that I'm very fortunate to have um, grown up living with California prices because <laughs> I'm used to it. Uh, $3 million homes in the suburbs don't scare me. Uh, rent doesn't scare me. Nothing scares me. But, you know. Not even traffic. Hmm. Although I do sometimes think of moving to South Dakota, but then I remember, hmm, I don't actually want to live in South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I could buy a $100,000 mansion, but at what cost? At what real cost? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, how did you find our cute little pod? Well, it was kind of multiple avenues, but uh, through... Straight White American Jesus. Mm, shout out to I Brad. found out from another podcast uh, called Unfucking the Republic, which is one of my faves. But it, uh, Straight White American Jesus, I started listening to, and they've got so many episodes. It's going to be hard to catch up on that one. Oh, yeah. But, I did not try. I just uh, am trying to keep up with the ones that are coming out. <laughs> yeah. I thought I've got the, their current couple of series that they're doing i'm caught up on them mm -hmm. i'm gonna stick with them for now yeah <laughs> they are but, prolific yeah and so i like uh i really like that show and kind of uh there's always an ad for you know one or two of the irreverent uh media podcasts and i was just like hmm, i'll give i'll give some of these a shot and y'all's is one of them and just fell in love pretty instantly with both of you <laughs> like, <laughs> and just all of the the different topics I've been bouncing around I haven't been watching chronologically which is weird for me usually I, I have to do it in order but I've just been going to the topics that are the most interesting to me and it's just been a lot of a lot of fun listening the last couple of days oh that is so, uh, my poor little heart is gushing and also my little brain is trying to think back to all the things that i've said on here <laughs> but it's okay i'm not ashamed but we so you have mentioned that you were part of the southern baptist denomination in the past yes i i like to call myself the recovering baptist i love it. it tell us all about it tell us all about your life growing up how you got to where you are now we're all curious sure um i I started, as I said, like as a, as a Southern Baptist, my grandfather is uh, what I like to call the most Southern Baptist human being that's ever existed. <laughs> he's, 
he's about five foot five with a cowboy hat that makes him five seven, and he says he's five ten. So <laughs> yes. he always wears a bolo tie. Ooh, classic. And yeah, just very, very Southern Baptist. I mean, people say I have an accent, but his like he literally talks like this all the time. That oh. is just his voice. <laughs> and he's a preacher. Uh, he uh, just, you know, very Texan, very, very Southern Baptist. So that's kind of how I was raised, was in that household with my grandparents. Uh, my grandma didn't have a job because she wasn't supposed to. And uh, my grandfather, you know, got home. And when he got home, supper was on the table. And all of those kinds of things of just gender roles that I was raised with. Uh, and one of the things like about evangelicalism as a whole, but I think for me specifically, Baptist and Southern Baptist tradition is the toxic masculinity that it like just indoctrinates kids with. Mm. Um, because I think we, we talk a lot and we should talk a lot about shame culture and purity culture and all of those things. And I think one thing that sometimes gets swept under the rug is the fact that a lot of these traits that men have in our society can be traced back to what they learn from their religion, from church. Uh, where we're told that women are responsible for making sure we don't look at them in a certain way or whatever. And we're told that, you know, we're told that through dress codes, through all these things that are enforced in, you know, children, everything from children's church to big church. And for me, I've always had a higher pitched voice. I actually walk on my toes because I have scoliosis um, and have just a lot of, you know, not super masculine traits. Uh, I sang tenor in choir, and my grandpa would always say that I sang the girl part, you know? Tenor? And so, <laughs> yeah. That is a very traditionally a masculine part, grandpa. <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and he just, it, it's just that, especially growing up in little bitty Southern Baptist churches, you know, 30 to 60 people max. Um, it's just, you're going to get made fun of, you're going to get bullied. And what a lot of these churches do is what I call bullying from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard or heard of or experienced it, but just, I mean, my grandpa would call people out while he was preaching. Like by name? Like, oh yeah. Oh, hell no. I got the passive aggressiveness, <laughs> but like the, mm, somebody's sleeping around in here. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit, but not like, hey, John, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Holy shit. Oh yeah. It was, and it was mostly stuff like, Kathy, get a hold of your children. They're tearing shit up. Like, you wouldn't say shit, of course, but... Of um, course. <laughs> that's a sin. Um, <laughs> but no, he... He's a mess. Um, <laughs> he's a mess. <laughs> but that he, would, he would, you know, shame people about their kids, shame people about what they're, we what they're wearing, um... Even like, I think the youngest that I remember was like a, a 13 or 14 year old girl, a couple of years older than me at the time, um, who he just like had stand up so that he could tell everybody why what she was wearing was wrong. Mm. And that's just like burned in my mind as I, I was like eight or nine. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, so she is supposed to wear certain things. And then when I asked why I was told that it's so that, you know, kids like me and adults don't look at her in ways that they shouldn't. I'm like, 
okay. But as I got older, some of those things made less and less sense. But I think as a Southern Baptist, it's just you're told not to question anything. I mean, that's the a lot of the church structure is, is pastor, especially the small churches, are pastor and two deacons. And uh, I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if it's ever been talked about on the on the e uh, podcast before, but have you all ever discussed the Baptist faith and me- Baptist faith and message? No, you know it's actually really interesting because I dabbled in Bap- baptism, Baptistness, Baptistness, and I was not. Uh, I mean, I was a Southern California Baptist. So, are you really Baptist except for you don't let women preach? <laughs> But no, we have not talked about it. So enlighten us. We would all love to know, I'm sure. It's a, I used to have it memorized because I had to. Um, but my grandpa had all of his grandkids memorize it by the time they were six. Oh, gosh. Um, but there are things in it that haven't changed since 1925. Hmm. There are things in it that haven't changed since the second version, I believe 1963. It could be 73, but... I'm pretty sure it's 63. And the most recent version was 2000. So 22 years ago uh, is the last time this thing was updated. <laughs> there are entire adults that are younger than the Baptist Faith and Message. Like, it's ridiculous, or than the most current version of it. Um, and so that, that part has always been ridiculous to me, that it doesn't get updated with society uh, but that's kind of the Baptist church. Mm. So um, it is basically, I believe there are 18 or 19 subsections, but I don't remember all of them, but uh, a lot of them are just statements of like what what the Baptists believe about the Godhead, what the Baptists believe about the end times, what the Baptists believe about church, which is one of the big issues I have currently uh is you know just their church leadership can't obviously can't have women um in it and it actually has been pushed in recent conventions to be stronger language against women uh to where because currently it's just i think the actual language is currently there is a place for women in the structure of the church but not as a pastor and there are a lot of people, my grandfather included, pushing for uh, it to be amended to where there's no no women allowed in, in church leadership at all, whether it's a, a worship pastor or uh, youth or children's leaders, things like that, um, which are, especially in smaller churches, are commonly filled by like the pastor's wife. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to work out for them. Yeah, um, I don't see a lot of men wanting to take over the children's ministry, you know, especially yeah. the the strong Southern Baptist men. <laughs> and that's the, I mean, that's the other thing. A lot of, a lot of the little, the smaller Southern Baptist churches, what they have for a children's ministry is a uh, coming up and listening to like a Veggie Tales version Bible story during church service. Like that's what they do. Um, and they call it they call it kids church or children's church. Uh, but one of the things that like I wrote something down here. Yes, my dog. My dog is needing attention. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, we love doggos. <laughs> uh, uh, no. Um, no. The the so women women can't be. Pastor is one of the first things that the Baptist faith and message says that's, you know, terrible. Um, and one of the, some of the things that are really just frustrating to me are the hypocrisies that come from this Baptist faith and message. Two of the biggest ones that I noticed are uh, the idea that in one of them, in one of the uh, points, all sexual sin is, uh, all what they call sexual sin is decried as as wrong and put in the same category. But I knew of lots of deacons that 
committed adultery within the church. Uh, lots, I mean, we talked, the biggest thing that, that was talked about in nearly any youth group in the 2000s was porn. And those two things were both considered wrong, but you were never told you couldn't be a Christian because of those two things. But if you were gay or bi or had any thoughts about anything like that, you were immediately told, well, you can't be a Christian, first of all. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you need to change so that you can be a Christian and go to heaven. So it's not treating all of that sin the same way. It's not treating, it's just not, it's not doing that. It's treating things differently on this like tiered version of what's good and what's bad. And it doesn't even hold, doesn't even really pass the muster for the Baptist faith and message itself in practice. And the second one that's so funny to me, because they're, I think they're just separate. These two sections are separated by like one or two sections, but one of them is about um, basically the, 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 where Christians should be in society. And it says that we should basically be uh, spreading the faith to where it is infusing into society and even into government and this and that. And then like two sections later, it's a relationship between church and state. And all it says is like, there should, it should be separate. I'm like, those two things don't go together. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's been around since the 20s, and you don't realize that it, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, just kind of the structure that I've learned from growing up, that's kind of most of that. Where did you, um, at what point were you like, fuck this? <laughs> it took a while. It took quite it, a while. I was Most like, of us, it takes a long time. <laughs> I, grew, I grew up in a youth group uh where i mean and it, it's hard for me to say this because my youth pastor did a lot for me um but also i can recognize some very toxic traits looking back and it's hard to reconcile like the good things that were done with the problems that I have that he's still, I mean, he's still a youth pastor now and he's also a college professor. And I'm just like, Oh God, no. (laughs) Why? Um, And I can, I mean, I just, I wanted to be a youth pastor because of him. Um, And he, and so I went to university of Mary Hardin Baylor, which is one of the most Southern Baptist schools in, in the state. Um, and at that Southern Baptist school in the College of Christian Ministry, that was the most liberal college at that school. Was all this, all except for one of the staff was extremely liberal theologically and politically. Hell yeah! Uh, it was great. I, I I started like I went in there and I saw that there were two female teachers and being raised the way I was. I was like, well, I can't take their classes. Oh, no. And then, of course, I had uh, one of them for Old Testament and the other for biblical background. And um, I was like, oh, well, I guess I have to. Um, And I did, and I enjoyed it, and I learned so much. And I was like, oh, I guess this isn't too bad. As long as they're not teaching me, like, preaching, then it will be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of justifying and changing a little bit but not not very much and it took probably my junior year um of college for me to realize that it just wasn't my worldview didn't make sense mm-hmm. like with reality and then 2016 came along and i started getting very politically liberal but i was still holding on to a lot of like theological conservatism um i was for a while i considered myself a one issue voter on the pro life um issue but like that didn't last that that probably lasted like three or four months Mm -hmm. um and i just started getting more and more politically liberal listening to bernie sanders quite a lot uh and just like 
learning more and more about what was going on and listening to the people on the right and like listening to the Republican debates and stuff, I was like, that is terrifying. No. Uh, and then that's kind of when the theological, like realizing that it's not the end of the world if you don't believe in 100% biblical inerrancy. Mm. It's not the end of the world if you believe that gay people can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world if you believe that it's okay to be have have a female as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things just kind of came gradually over the next couple of years. And once I was once I was finished with college, I I actually left the church mm. because I just couldn't do it anymore. I was. I felt like everything that I had been taught my entire life was a lie. I went and I worked for Amazon for a couple of years, which I don't recommend. Oh, <laughs> and, truly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I left the church. I was not, I didn't want to have anything to do with the church or God or anything like that. Like I, I wasn't interested. I was, I was just very frustrated. And um, then a couple of years later, I would say around 2018, I decided to jump back in head first because a little church that my grandpa um, had known a guy at was looking for a youth pastor. And so I decided to run for it, and I, I did. And it was it was a mess because <laughs> they had had a pastor for like 40 or 50 years, and he left. Wow. He retired. So they hired this new pastor who was like 30 years old. Um, I was probably 20, 24 or 25 at the time. And everyone in the church, the next, besides the pastor and his wife and me, the next youngest person in the church was 72. So they had been with this pastor their entire lives. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and these two new people were coming in, right? Um, and and it was I, we didn't neither of us lasted long. He got outed before he got outed before I did, and he was so he because Baptists usually aren't super reformed in their theology, right? Um, Baptists are usually pretty just middle of the road. Like they're not really Wesleyan. They're not really uh, Calvinist. It's just kind of somewhere in the middle to take a little of each. But uh, they all also, for some reason, hate John Calvin without knowing anything about what Calvinism is. So, yeah. But this, this pastor was super reformed. Super reformed Baptist. And I was like, this is weird. I don't like it. Um, yeah. But. He knew he knew that I was liberal um, politically and theologically, and still wanted me to to be on the staff. And we, uh, I mean, the, the church knew. I mean, I, I I didn't hide anything about what I thought and what I believed. I was very active on Facebook at the time, um, and it was just it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just doing it to to have a notch in my belt, basically. Um, And I did build up the youth group a little bit, um, and we worked on that. But then my really, really, really close friend asked me to co-officiate their wedding uh, with their wife. And because this friend was assigned female at birth, it got out that I had done this wedding mm. and I got fired from the church. Sounds Good about right. Got a text from the head deacon that was like, yeah, I got a text from the head deacon, which I was impressed by because I had taught him how to text like three months before. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, he, he sent a picture of me up there with my friend and their wife and uh, was like, we can't be having this at our church. We don't want you back. You can clean out your office, but when no one's here. 
That is um literally not how you fire somebody. <laughs> Over text message. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. Like like being broken up with, but I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I it's funny, my church now is very pro LGBTQA plus, so you know, we're gay as hell. But uh, a couple years ago, I went to my cousin's wedding in Guadalajara, Mexico. He's marrying his light, like long-term partner. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was the loveliest, bougiest church, like a uh, wedding I've ever been to. They had like the the penguin tails or whatever on their suits. It was so cute, and I got reamed by my family um, because my mom's side of the family in Mexico they're very Calvinist, which is really mm. fucking depressing because i'm like you believe in predestination like bitch you think that you're gonna you're going to heaven with your life situations i would rethink your theology a little bit <laughs> but then on my dad's side they all grew up very apostolic um weren't allowed to go to the movies when they were kids like so they were like how could you do that like my parents weren't invited to the wedding because it would have been rude to invite them because they uh, their beliefs and i was like all right so i get it like the whole i mean granted my family knows that i don't give a fuck and they can say whatever they want to me and i'll throw it back in their face but i can't imagine what it must have felt like to lose your job over officiating love i don't know (laughs) oh god yeah and i knew it was a risk i mean the pastor had already been let go uh and I think they were just looking for something to get rid of me because they didn't like change. And that's the, like, I don't like stereotypes, um, but sometimes they're not far off. Like you probably have heard the like, bless your heart Baptist lady stereotype. Mm-hmm. It's so real. They yep. say, they will say anything to your face. Mm-hmm. They will say, lose weight. They will say, look less gay they will say drop your voice when you're talking in church i got told that at that church and most churches that i've done anything at whether it was an internship which i did a couple of in college or uh with my grandpa you know i was always told drop your voice make your voice lower uh so that people don't think you're effeminate um, which is preaching. funny because I don't think that you have an incredibly high voice. You have like a very mid-level voice. <laughs> so I don't understand. <laughs> they want you to talk like oh, this yeah, all the time. <laughs> well, I think the other part of it is that I don't have an accent. Like I, mm-hmm. I, whenever I get passionate about something, it's the drawl comes out just a little bit. I try to rein it back in, like nope. But <laughs> um, most most people in the Southern Baptist Church just, like, are very proud of their accent, very proud of their Southernness, you know, all of that, and they get up and give these long, rambling hour-and-a-half, two-hour sermons Mm. after 40 minutes of singing hymns (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, where they're just going on and on and just the accent's getting thicker and thicker until you can't understand it about an hour in. And it's it's just ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. But I think the thing I learned really early on was like in those churches, someone's always watching you. Especially if you have anything to do with the pastor. Um, oh, yeah. Because I had every my, my my grandfather had given literally every adult in the uh, every adult in the congregation permission to whoop me or my brother. Like, which that was fun. Like, hit you? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised. It's a, <laughs> any any of my family members could hit me. But <laughs> this was a little bit like I. But for a white person, I'm like, oh, they let you, they let random people hit you. You poor little white boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I probably had between 60 to 70 old ladies hitting me with their shoes in church. 
Or like a hymnal or something. Like if I was acting up or even if I like... I remember one time I sneezed and I got like whacked with a hymnal. And I was like, I sneezed. (laughs) What? (laughs) But it is, it's... The danger is, and I think it's a danger for any really any religious, you know, uh, group, but the danger that I saw was just in the indoctrination period, because mm. what I've seen is, especially the, the bigger churches, which I went to when I was uh, in, in youth group, because my youth group was bigger than any of the churches my grandpa had preached at, like the youth group itself was bigger than the churches my grandpa had preached at. Oh my God. And so... Um, my youth pastor, like, we found out, because I, I, I took youth leadership classes in college, and youth pastor, youth ministry classes in college. Some of the stuff they teach you is so skeevy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's like multi-level marketing stuff almost. Oh, hell yeah. It's how to get numbers, because the youth are the future of the church. Mm-hmm. And so you want to have... If you have a youth group that's bigger than, like your your number of people that are in adult church, that's that's considered fantastic. It's ideal, yeah. Um, yeah, and so and then it's how to look for the most vulnerable people and put them into the hierarchy because every youth group I've ever been a part of, whether it was visiting or the one that I went to most of my childhood and teenage years or even ones that I was like doing disciple mouths for or interning for um, up until the one that I led myself. I didn't let that happen, but every youth group I've ever been a part of was had some kind of hierarchy. It was most of the, most of the kids were at the bottom and then there was the favorites of the youth pastor and the youth leader team kind of stacked up until you had those couple, those golden kids at the top, which I was in that group of golden kids at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I was, I was incredibly privileged growing up in a middle-class white family in North Texas. I mean, incredibly privileged to grow up in their church and, uh, like just not really have to face any kind of discrimination throughout my entire life because I am a straight white male who has been a Christian all of his life. Mm-hmm. So those are all of the things that like no one's ever going to discriminate against you for. Yeah. And I just didn't recognize that because they – what what my youth group did that was so sneaky was they they snuck politics and other things into the theology, baked it in to where you didn't even realize you were getting radicalized. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so dangerous. That I know other youth groups do this too. They put it in their denouls. They have entire like my youth group. Every three years, I think they do a denow called True Love Waits. Oh, the classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's gross. Um, No, thanks. And, like, I remember going back and leading one of those uh, my freshman year of of college and just being so proud that I had taken these, you know, I think I was was in charge of seventh grade boys, and I was like, I had shown them how awful it would be for them to do any kind of sexual sin or whatever. And it just reminded me of, you know, looking back on it now, it reminds me of the part that churches play in rape culture, toxic mm. masculinity, shame culture, um, because we are indoctrinating these young boys to believe that, first of all, women are naturally supposed to be submissive to them. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that women have a responsibility to control the boys' actions with what they wear, how they act, 
how they speak, um, all of those kinds of things. And finally, just that there is enough of a difference between women and men when it comes to value that men have power over women. Mm-hmm. And those three concepts are so dangerous to tell a 12-year-old boy going through puberty. Yep. Like the power trips that probably go through little boys' heads without them even realizing it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm better than all the girls. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's one of those things that, like, looking back on who I was as a teenage boy, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Because I was lonely and depressed and that was another thing that if you had mental health problems you just weren't you didn't have enough faith yep um and they sent me to this counselor um biblical biblical counselor Mm. who uh it was i was hour-long sessions would you like to guess how many minutes of those sessions he spent praying like the whole time 40 minutes Hell no. I I grew up Pentecostal and still hell no. <laughs> Forty minutes of praying every session. Nope. Um and it was just like they would tell they would tell kids, including me, if you don't go to the, see these biblical counselors, we're gonna make sure you get put in in the mental hospital, you know. That kind of stuff. Holy shit. Yeah. Because you're a little bit depressed. Yeah. Holy shit. And it was, it's just, it's all about indoctrination. That's why I think that these youth groups can be cult adjacent sometimes. Mm. uh, And and at least toxic, at the very least, just very toxic. Yeah. Our, our, Our mission trips. What do you what do you think of when you think of a mission trip? Oh, well, the Baptist church that I went to, they would go build shitty houses in Mexico and proselytize. Yeah. Doing something that serves a community, even if it is a shitty house. Yeah. Uh, but like doing something that serves a community and then yes, you're using that as a pretext to spread your message. But no, my church decided that their youth are going to go to Utah and convert all the Mormons. <laughs> Which I know we've had a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of Mormon episodes on yeah. the, uh, Yeah, my partner's so ex-Mormon. <laughs> it's, that was the whole, like, that's what they did every summer. And then, because there was something called a, uh, it was a miracle pageant in Manti, uh, Utah, every year, and they stopped doing it because of all of the Christian missionaries. Yeah. One of their biggest traditions, like, as a church, got ruined because Christians were Christians. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, I was part of that as a, as a kid. Looking back on it, I'm like, why did I do that? But I know why, because I was indoctrinated into that, like, from a very early age. And I think that's that's one of the reasons that I love like the church I go to now. It's actually the church. Uh, it's called Galileo Church uh, here in Arlington. Ooh, sacrilegious! Like oh, it's it's so great. I love that. Like all of our, uh, we have Copernicus themed stuff, Galileo themed stuff. Like it's just fantastic. That's my shit, dude. Some classic history. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great, and like I had never thought of like Galileo being just the name of a church, and it makes me so happy. Yeah, hell yeah. And it, it was the church that I did uh, the wedding at that I got fired from my other church for doing <laughs> it was hosted there and i co-officiated with the pastor that's now my pastor um katie and and she just like she told me once that like when she first met me when we were doing the, the co-officiating she pro- she had a feeling that i would end up being a member of the church yes um 
And so I loved that. We've I've become really close with her. Uh, and I've started deconstruction. Um, the only unfortunate thing is that I started deconstruction like in around the end of 2019. Oh gosh! So, so you had to go at it alone. I didn't have a whole lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> That's like the it, worst it and the, the best, best time. time. Start, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Truly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. This... I'm I'm one of those people. Sorry. No, you keep going. Oh no, I was I'm just I'm one of those people where I uh I feed I'm an I'm a super extrovert. I'm an extroverted extrovert. I feed off of other people. And so <laughs> I'm sitting here and people are so like I, I love I love the fact that that people from the church are trying to help me with my deconstruction. They're like Go read this book. L- listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, look at look at the backlog of worship services that we've got. Like this, this, and that. And I'm like, yes, I will do all of that, but it will not help me <laughs> as yeah. much as being in a room with ten people and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, so we finally got back to doing church services and like our small groups and all that kind of stuff. Then Omicron hit and now we're back to online. I'm like, why? why? It makes sense. But it's also heartbreaking. Yeah. Especially when it's the Christians generally that are keeping us locked up. They're stupid anti-vax and anti-mask sentiments. (laughs) I'm sure that in it's Texas, yet it's another worse. thing that an entire generation. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't like. I. This is a little scary to 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 give just a, a bit of a content consideration, but I was an Uber driver during the beginning of the pandemic because I got let go from my from my job and. Um, Within the first week of when Uber and Lyft, or the first two weeks of when Uber and Lyft instituted a mask mandate in their rides, I had three guns pulled on me. Mike! Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Because you asked them to put on a mask. Because I asked them to put on a mask. Listen, everybody, listen, listeners, anybody who comes at me for not wanting to move out of California can suck a giant dick because ain't nobody pulling no guns out of me in California, okay? No. (laughs) What the fuck? It was just, and like, it was little kind of good old boy town, like itty bitty podunk town. Yeah. uh, Around Fort Worth. uh, And... (laughs) I knew them all really well because I grew up around them. So I just like, I hit the button on the Lyft app because they were all three Lyft. Uh, I hit the button on the Lyft app, the emergency button, and started driving toward the police station. Oh my God. (laughs) And I'm sure the police would have been so Um, helpful in your situation. (laughs) They were, and two of them. One of them, uh, the, the police folded me for trying to enforce the rules but you know yeah just let them not wear the mask and you won't get your gun pulled out or what fuck that hell yeah. no uh uh Mm-mm-mm. it was just but they still i mean they still had to take the guy home because you're not supposed to like that's another rule in uber and Lyft, just you're not supposed to have a weapon like well yeah and like but... the only exception that i know of is like law enforcement officers yeah, people who are like have them on them anyway, I guess. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of a big fat bummer for a cop to be like, um, I guess I have to drive her over and lift too. <laughs> but also so funny to me yeah. as a anti cop uh, liberal. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Mike, your life is crazy. Ugh. I mean, I know I've said the word mess a lot, but I'm gonna say it again. It's been a mess, but it's been a good mess. I mean, yeah. there are there are great positives. The school that I went to, I actually met uh, 
my current girlfriend. And then like five years later, we ended up in the same town and started dating. So Cute. That, that was really awesome. And we've been dating for a little over two and a half years now. Mm. And so it's been, it's been good. It's been crazy. It's been just very, very Southern, very, <laughs> very Baptist. Yeah. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm getting very, very better. Like learning things, figuring things out. And then like learning that it's okay to cry. Cause that's another thing that I didn't mm. even mention is that the part of that toxic masculinity is like, if you cried in church, it better have been because you got hit somewhere you weren't supposed to get hit or because you just watched Old Yeller. And those are the only two reasons you were allowed to cry. Not even like the Holy Spirit is making me feel great and holy and cool, so I'm going to shed a little tear? No, we were were genuinely taught that the Holy Spirit only affects women that way. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. I'm surprised. I went to a Baptist church for many years, but because they weren't very like charismatic, I guess I get it. But also, like, oh my god, the toxicity. <sighs> and that's that's why I think the most dangerous thing about the Southern Baptist Church for me is the lessons that they teach our kids, because. If it's that group that I that I was in that church with, you know, where the youngest person was within her seventies, um, they're not changing their minds. Mm-hmm. They're just not. It's not going to happen statistically. Yeah. And so, but those kids, those youth and children that are in the youth group that I used to go to, and all of that kind of stuff they are getting all of this like solidified as truth for them. Mm-hmm. And very, very few of them are going to have experiences like you and I did. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them are being funneled to colleges like uh, South, Liberty. Uh, Southwestern Theological <laughs> Seminary. Yeah. Yeah. Liberty, Southwestern, Moody, all, all of those kinds of like very very conservative colleges christian colleges and just having it drilled in even deeper until they're 21 22 and it's almost stuck yeah oh my gosh i you need to come back on and we need to get a little deeper into this baptist shit because i'm obsessed i I wonder if they're doing anything crazy. I'll have to Google it. But it has been an immense pleasure. This conversation, as somebody, I mean, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but as somebody who like went to Baptist, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and especially like in the Southern context is just mm, perfect. I love it. But you, ugh, it has been a great time. Come back on whenever you want. Um, do you have any like charities you want to plug? Do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Do you want to be famous? Plug away. Uh, no, I don't really have my, uh, I don't really do much social media anymore. It just became too toxic for me because I just wanted to argue with everyone. Oh so, yeah. God bless you. I'm still on it. I'm still, I'm still arguing. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you don't have that, uh, that inclination at all. Yeah. I- <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't, I mean, one of the things, it's not really a a charity or anything, but one of the things that, that my church is, has always fought is a lot of the trans exclusionary bills that are being passed Mm. in Texas right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just doing research on that. And like, if you're in Texas, if you're listening and you're in Texas, writing your Congress people, um, your Texas Congress people, Texas senators, representatives, uh, and just getting getting some kind of movement going to stop these trans-exclusionary bills because they are so harmful. Everything from bathroom to sports bills to 
things that could be even more dangerous if they pass. Mm -hmm. So that's the big cause that I, that I want to uh, advocate for is just a letter writing campaign, email campaign of getting to your representatives and, and getting this, getting this shit taken care of because we don't need these bills to be passed. Yeah. We also love progressive churches. So tell the people where your church is, how to get in contact. We need more and we like to plug them on the pod. So tell them all about it. Oh yeah. Uh, Galileo Christian church. It's in Mansfield, which is right near Arlington, Texas. And uh, we just the website, Galileo church, Galileo church.org is uh, the best way to kind of find out all of our stuff. It's really uh we have our, our five missional priorities, and my favorite one is number four, which is no bullshit or real relationships, no bullshit ever. Yes. That's like as one of our priorities on our website is the word bullshit. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I saw that the first time, I was like, this is a different place from what this I'm used it. to. This is <laughs> it. <laughs> and so uh the fantastic church. Our pastor Katie Hayes is wonderful, uh, and yeah, if we have our services on Sundays at five, and they're all online right now. And so, if you want to join us and hang out on a Sunday evening, definitely do. We would love to have you. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Thank you so much again for coming on the pod. Everybody, you can find Speaking in Church at Speaking in Church on Instagram. You can find me at Josie Takes the World. You can find Spencer and the beautiful little boo-boo pics at Spence Rose. Um, please uh, go like my reels or whatever I'm doing on TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying really hard to market it. I've been told that this is how you do it. I don't know, dude. I'm making a fool of myself. At the very least, go laugh at me. It's great. Um, and also, if you are interested in helping us out, uh, helping buy little boo-boo clothes or whatever, I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you can go to the link in our Instagram bio where you can buy us a coffee or a beer if uh, I'm the one receiving the money because Lord knows I always need a drink when talking about deconstruction. So that is available as well. Thank you so much. As I always say, stay woke or fucking get woke. And as Spencer always says, Jesus loves you. Bye, everybody. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.